And, and you know, I, I see this over and over again with myself of like, I just got to play through this. Like, I got I to gotta do something that reminds me of like who I am and brings me back to who I am through play. Welcome to Peak Pyrography, where we discuss artistry and process with creators in the woodburning and pyrography community. I'm your host, Justine Fetty. I was introduced to woodburning in 2020 and haven't put my burner down since. Today on the podcast, we have Rachel Jamison. She has a master's in early childhood general and special education. And I asked her to come on the podcast today because of a conversation that I've been seeing and hearing happening within the woodburning community about how play and creativity are so interjoined and how they have such an effect on our designs and ideas and helping to fix thing, fix the, you know, uh, creator, creative block that we may have. So since she was here visiting me and my cousin and an expert in this field, we decided to sit down and have a, and record a conversation to share with you guys. I hope you all enjoy. Hey, Rachel. Hi. Welcome on Peak Pyrography. Thanks. I'm thrilled really to have you here. excited to be here. This is really exciting for me. Yeah. And I'm thrilled you to have you here and actually in person live on the podcast. Yeah. You're here visiting me from Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is super thrilling. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy to get out of the hustle and bustle of our city and be here with you and your family. Yes, it's so much fun to have you. Um, so you are based in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. and you're working as an early, in early childhood education. Yes. What made you decide that that was the field you wanted to be in? That's a really funny question. I get asked this all the time, and I feel like I always stammer around the answer because I feel like I was always in early childhood education, and like I think you have a unique perspective because you've known me literally my whole life, but... I've been babysitting since I was like 10 years old and in church I got hired at the age of like 13 to run their early childhood Christian ed program and um, I think I just in college I got a job teaching at a preschool on campus and then got in really close with the early childhood professor at my college and you know the rest is history Um, so it's just been who I was my whole life and now it, I have yes, degrees. It has. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so you studied it as for your undergraduate degree, you studied early childhood education. Studied psychology with okay. a minor in early childhood. Um, but by that time I was working pretty consistently at this early childhood program. And so I was kind of integrating early childhood development into everything. And then you got your master's and and you ended up writing a thesis about play. My thesis was, yeah, it was about kind of connection and how important connection is in a classroom and um, how, you know, having a teacher who's really intentional about putting their needs first and really connected um, to their children can kind of extend the learning um, as best as they can, but so much of this is through play, and you know, the more yeah. I keep growing as a professional, the more I really, really value play in all aspects of life. Well, and this episode came about a lot because of a conversation that's been kind of happening um, amongst wood burners that I've kind of been watching and hearing about how play and getting back into play is really important for our artis- 
artistry and our creative side. Mm-hmm. And I think that you've got some really good insight on that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty blessed to spend most of my life with very young children because that's, you know, when we think play, we think kids. Like, we think that's really quick what we know. And, like, the little niche of early childhood that I'm in, we really advocate for play as a mode of learning, yeah. as a mode of academics, but also as a mode of growth, social emotionally growth, so uh, cognitive growth, any kind of growth you can do, um, you can do through play. And, you know, it's there's a lot of research out there about how it benefits early childhood, um, but we know it benefits adults too. There's also a lot of research and a lot of like anecdotal evidence that adults need play just as much as young children do. Yeah, I mean, you often see adults when we've forgotten how to play uh, starting to find lots of anxiety and lots of stress. And there are times when we can start playing again and that brings out a whole different side. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I think it really ties into you know mental health. It really ties into feeling like you have a purpose and, um, and power in your little world, whether you're two years old or 85 years old or anywhere in between we all really need to play and so what are some what are some of your favorite ways to play I always think about how play is something that is so unique to whoever is doing it and I think that this is something that I I really like doing as a teacher you know I'll start the year with 20 or so three or four year olds and um kind of my first question for the first few months is like, how does this person play? Like, are they someone that does a lot of like humor, like rhyming words or potty humor or um, just like a lot of silly word play? Are they someone who is more physical and they need like a lot of hugs or a lot of like ring around the rosy? Um, Are they kind of more subtle and like reserved or stand back a little bit and kind of need a little bit more like almost peekaboo play of me like just kind of playfully looking back over at them or um, you know I kind of fine-tune all my interactions and I've been teaching for long enough that I feel like I also start to do this when I meet new like adults too and (laughs) of course I'm not like playing peekaboo with this new like adult friend but um, humor or doing a fun activity together or like kind of finding the nuance of whatever someone's play style is, is something that I really like to do and something I think a lot about a lot when I'm, you know, meeting new friends or going on dates or like any, even work situations. I'm like, I want, I want to get in. Like, I want to find your style and how can we play together? And how do, how do you play? Oh, so many ways. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like if I don't, if I'm not playing, Something's really wrong with me, like emotionally, um, because I have, you know, my work, which um, is, you know, imbued with play constantly. Um, I have a very playful cat at home, too. Sometimes his play is not the hour I would like it to be, but um, <laughs> I think that's part of the reason, like, we're so bonded is through play. Um, I have a lot of really active hobbies, um, and I found that being active and being creative, um, through my body is a really, really good way for me to play. Um, I also find, you know, I have friends or family members that I'll find like playfulness through just kind of like 
talking about ideas and like processing things and like that kind of like lights up the same things in my brain as doing other forms of play um so yeah I I just I just like play and creativity and that like positive humanity aspect of all of it yeah it, that makes sense and it, those are some really great fun ways to play and to to, to find that for yourself mm -hmm. and and with other people when you meet them and get going on things yeah. um so um oftentimes we find with adults that we've kind of, I've heard people say that every child is an artist mm -hmm. and that most adults are children who've forgotten how to play. And um, how do you think that play and artistry and creativity kind of go hand in hand? Yeah. I think children are so innately creative and so innately playful. Um, and they have to be because they're experimenting the world, experiencing the world often for the first time. And, um, you know, when you see something new, you kind of try to figure it out. And adults, I think, will figure it out by, like, observing or watching. But kids often figure it out by experiencing it, putting it in their mouth. Or, you know, does it – will it bounce if I drop it? Will it roll? Like, just – you know, you, you see something new and um, there's research out there about how creative kids are in finding ways to arrange, rearrange things or finding ways to um, put things together or figure out answers. And adults are a lot more like rigid in it. Um, there's a quote by, I believe it is uh, theorist Jean Piaget. Um, that says play is the answer to the question, how does anything new come about? Um, and you know, I see this all the time in my classroom of like through play, children are discovering truths that, you know, we adults know, but children are discovering it for them the first time, or they're kind of just creating their own little world um, and creating that um, in terms of like, physical, you know, applied visual arts, um, you really see it progress um, experientially in children. And, um, you know, I've, I took a class in grad school that talks about how, you know, the very youngest kids, and, and like I, I see this with your daughter who's just one, you know, art for her is an experience. She dots, she eats, she like, it is a full body thing. And then you know, we'll move on to, like, your son, who's three, and then art creation kind of, it's it's more deliberate, but it's also still pretty experiential. And then slowly, slowly, you kind of shift as their technique refines and as their understanding of the world refines, you'll start to get more, quote-unquote, representational art. Um, and as long as, you know, art is encouraged and they're in an environment that will keep encouraging that, um, there are some really cool creative out, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Creative outlets that come out of, um, you know, being able to kind of visualize and experience your world, um, through a developmentally appropriate practice. So I, I mean, every kid that you see has this creativity, has this desire to learn and to play and to experience it. And as we get older, that gets taught out of us that gets pulled uh, we experience that differently what is that process yeah it's 
you know, I think it's partly what we expect from like schooling. Like a lot of times, um, a lot of preschool education, um, you'll think of like crafts, you know? So like if you're doing a farm unit, they'll, kids might come home with this like collaged pig or whatever. That's pretty product based. Um, adults really like products. We're very product driven humans. Um, and it feels really good when we do these crafts, um, that like the teacher can be like, look, I did a thing. Your kid made an owl or a pig or whatever. Um, but kids like true developmentally appropriate art for early childhood is very process based. It is going to be sending home 20 different pages that look basically the same (laughs) because that's where your kid is. Um, so I think, I think it comes from, you know, a little bit of like how formal schooling has kind of said, like, this is learning. This is, this is what art should look like. Um, and also a little bit of like adult anxiety of like, we, we are not often very experiential in our creative processes unless like, unless like we're really trying to. And I, I think that's part of like why you're doing this podcast and why you, you're having me on is like experiential, like really getting that intrinsic motivation is really powerful, but it kind of comes secondary for adults and adults really like things that fit into neat little boxes. Um, and kids don't even know what those boxes are yet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, as, and, and as we get older, we sort of lose that creativity, lose that will to be, to say, I, I mean, a three-year-old will say yes to just about everything. <laughs> Uh, and, and by the time we get to be 15, you know, once you get to middle school, whatever age that is, you start being more scared to say yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, that just kind of, we start to lose that. And then you, you get older and you're like, well, what, where did that go? Yeah. Yeah. And I wish, I wish I knew an, like an anecdote antidote for that because I think that you know there's something so beautiful about just the like unbridled enthusiasm of life that children have um and we definitely lose that and and like sometimes for the better you know I I think we we gain some emotional and cognitive regulation skills that three-year-olds don't have for example which is sure is good um but I think also along with that starts to become an like self-image questions of like, you know, I'm only worthwhile if X, Y, Z, and then anything out of that X, Y, Z, um, especially in like adolescence and like early adulthood um, when humans are like really trying to figure out who they are in the world that can be, those can be really heavy. And um, I think there's a lot of people that still get weighed down in that. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's no shame in that. Like that's life and people, plenty yeah. of people live a happy, fulfilled life with that. Um, but there's other, there's other ways of doing it too. Yeah. yeah and you can, you can still, f- so like at, at this point in your, in my life, I'm still looking for the play and um, finding it in different places, but it's not, it's a lot harder to do as an adult. Yes. Do yes. you have any insight or advice on finding a, finding play as an adult 
We talked a little bit yeah, about what you Yeah, we talked a little do. bit about that. Um, I think it, there's some, like, self-awareness that you have to have of um, just, like, doing something, like, going through your daily schedule or doing the things that you do and then just kind of assessing, like, does this does this actually feel good or am I doing this to, you know, build my brand on Instagram or, like, am I doing this – because I should be doing this or am I doing this because, you know, I've done this my whole life and like this is continuing on. Um, but really like noticing what feels good and finding that like, ooh, I like this aspect of this or like, you know, um, this feels really exciting to me. And so I want to keep like going down that avenue. Um, just knowing yourself and knowing what works um, and then knowing what aspects of things will feel really good for you um like an example that i that comes to mind is um i've been playing dungeons and dragons for like three years with my friends um and it's pretty much my only non-active hobby and my body like i just i'm constantly moving um and so sometimes i find myself like getting distracted or other things and, and I went through this period a while ago where I was like I don't really think I like this activity as a, like this isn't my play um my best friend like she's so into it this is her play um she's in our campaign and, and I think part of the reason I'm sticking with the campaign is so that I can spend time with her um but my, my play is more of like being together with this group of friends and like we meet you know twice a month and and I think re kind of reframing D&D from like a okay like this isn't necessarily the kind of thing that I'm really into like I can't force myself to play to find play in like the mechanics of the game in the way that some other people can but I can find play in like the little, you know, asides that I have with my friends or yeah, the, like, sure. jokes that we make or, like, finding, being like, okay, that's my play. Like, D&D, like, the actual activity, like, sure, it's fine. I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> but, like, what keeps me coming back to it is seeing these friends and just making silly jokes and, and just, like, being weird and funny and like having again the coming back to play as connection like having that community and that connection too right because that's what you spent a long time studying was oh, yes. play and connection yes yes uh whether it was formal education that I studied it or informal like that has been a, such a big part of my whole life yeah and I I think that a lot of us in the wood burning community find our connection online and yeah. can find some of that you know sharing each other's stuff or mm -hmm. having conversations about mm -hmm. uh what what tools are you using? What wood are you burning on? You know, that's that's yeah. one way that we are. That that's a way that we're playing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And if you kind of like parallel that between you know in a classroom, like four kids sitting at the lunch table, laughing about like cheese sticks and like all <laughs> you know those things that you kind of like directly say like oh this is play like children play yes. this is this is clearly play these kids are joking around like it's that same thing but just shifted more developmentally for adults 
um, but you're still really connecting to each other and sharing in this like beautiful common interest and finding joy and just doing things for the sake of doing them, not for any sort of extrinsic obligation. Yeah. Um, so, uh, when, when you're playing, what do you have going on in the background? Is it like, are you just m moving? Cause you said most of your play comes from, um, movement. So are you just moving to the sound of the wind in the trees or are you moving to, is there music? Do you, are you on the street listening to cars honking <laughs> and kind of what? What happens in the background when you do this? Yeah, for me personally, I tend to like some sort of structure in the activities that I do for play, particularly the ones that are like more movement focused. Um, so for a number of years, I think about three years now, I've been doing um, aerial sling, which is a circus apparatus. Um, and like I have a background in dance and I've danced in some form most of my life and so this was kind of just like the next step in my dancing um and I think that is such a great form of play it hits all of the markers for play of um there's a structure so it's like it's not so open-ended that I get overwhelmed with it but there's a structure um we'll often like learn a couple skills and then get a chance to kind of put it to music and and literally like play around with how can I do this transition from like an inversion up to, you know, standing or, or whatever, you know, whatever the skill is that day, like how can I apply it to this like instrumental song and like, okay, what would be different about the quality of movement if I had applied it to like a Taylor Swift song or a Disney song? Like how does kind of the environment shift within the structure and the, um, you know, the, the organization of this activity like, where can I find little, like, ways to nuance it? That That's really cool. That's fun to, you know, add, add that together and combine it with some of the, your favorite things, you know. Yeah. Well, combine the music and the movement and, yeah. yeah. Um, let's take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll talk about um, good days, bad days, how you unwind, and Great. what you do to take care of yourself. Perfect. Great. All right. Well, and welcome back, Rachel. Thanks. Um, so, like I said before the break, let's talk a little bit about how you care for yourself and maybe does play play into that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think definitely. Um, I, you know, have a, a very draining career and I'm currently trying to figure out if there's ways to kind of switch move on integrate keep playing keep with the population that I love so much but also advocate for my own needs um so I think that my presence in my own play is kind of a meter um for how stressed I am and how um you know how much this my stress of the career is kind of taking a toll on me um usually I'll come home from work and just kind of veg out with the cat for a while um we'll either lie on the couch and take a nap or he'll want to play and we'll kind of you know we'll we'll connect um 
through that. Um, and then usually in the evenings, I will do some sort of movement activity, whether it's going to circus or whether it's going climbing or ice skating or um, any other of my random hobbies um, hula hooping, something that I've <laughs> been enjoying because or handstands, handstands, yeah, that's definitely um, one of those things that I will do, particularly <laughs> if um, I'm feeling really invigorated for the day. I'm like, it's a good day for handstands. Um, but I, it's it is kind of that like metric for me of like if I'm sort of feeling like okay, this is a chore that I have to do. Like I know that kind of indicates that I'm stressed and tired and overwhelmed. Um, but if I'm feeling like, yes, let's go. Let's go do some weird stuff. Like, let's let's go take a pole dancing class because I've never done that before. Like, that's kind of me. That's how I'll know. Like, okay, my stress is pretty low. Like, I'm, I'm my brain is open for creativity and for play and for trying new things and, and being vulnerable in new things. So you can kind of find some therapy in that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, I think that's, that is something that's not often talked about when we talk about play is um, really the therapeutic and the healing aspect of it. Um, and again, you see this, like whether you're a baby or, you know, somebody, an elderly person, um, anyone in between. Um, but, Often people will be like, oh, play. That's, like, fun and enjoyable and, like, frivolous and jolly. And, like, we have all of these associations with play being something that's really, um, like, joyful and has a lot of levity to it. But there's also a lot of seriousness that happens in play. Um, with children, you kind of see this where if there's some trauma that they're experiencing or if they're kind of like working through something in their own life, it will often come out in their play. It will come out as like, um, you know, they'll be playing cars and play car crash over and over again. Um, and maybe that's because they've experienced a car crash and they kind of need to like process it in their own way. Um, sure. Kind of like when, when I had a baby on the way and my son was going around and, he was at just as pregnant as I was. Exactly. Telling right. me I, he had a baby in his belly and that right. his back hurt and he couldn't sit on the floor and he needed a cushion. Right. Exactly. Because for all of us, we can't just like think about it and let it go. Like we have to really live these experiences. Um, and that's another reason that like play is also so beneficial for adults too, of um, finding a community of people that play and that share your same connections, finding that community um, can really like bring people together to kind of help process things in their own way. And, you know, art therapy, movement therapy, music therapy, these are all ways of kind of merging like the healing that's going on in your brain with the healing that's going on in your creativity. Um, and often like I'll find shifts in my mood um, either, you know, sadder or happier depending on what I need through play um like when this my best friend moved away um to Maine the hour after I dropped her off at the airport I went right to the circus studio and I like put on some music in my headphones and just kind of like improvised around through my tears and through my like grief and sadness about everything that had happened and 
yeah. worry about the change. And I, um, I, I think I, I texted you a bunch of pictures from that <laughs> night too of like, I just, I just wanted to feel strong. I wanted to do something that I love. I wanted to like put on the music that I like that reminded me of her and, um, and like really just kind of have it like play through it. Um, and, and you were thinking of her and you were also bringing in some of the things that make you feel like I am strong and capable and I mm-hmm. can do this and I'm going to miss my best friend so much because yeah. she's been my roommate for years mm-hmm. and years. Um, yeah. But I can, I can process that a little bit here, right. all, mixing it all together with, and, and getting some stress out yeah. of my body at the same time. Yeah, exactly. And you know, was it joyful? No, not exactly. Um, but was it play? Yes, absolutely. And, and did I get the same benefits from it that I would have if I was like, just coming off of a really elated experience and like I was like I'm so excited I'm gonna put this into my dance like I got so much out of it and and I got to a place where I think that really like helped me with some of the healing process um and and you know I I see this over and over again with myself of like I just gotta play through this like I gotta I gotta do something that reminds me of like who I am and brings me back to who I am through play yeah yeah, that makes sense. So on kind of on your bad days, you go out and you find ways to play and to move your body. Mm-hmm. And um, it, what does what's a good day look like? Yeah, I mean, similar. Um, <laughs> I just might have a little bit more energy um, in play. I think um, I have a lot of friends that are, I would say, like silly and weird um, and those friends like really fuel me on, on a good day. Um, I throw a groundhog day party every year. It's, um, probably the biggest groundhog day party in Washington, DC, just like <laughs> soft brag there. Um, but like, that's a good day for me because. And, and you, you've truly been doing that for years. Oh yeah. This was the fifth year that I've hosted a big party but I've celebrated it in other ways um and it's like it's a big party um <laughs> yeah so you know hit me up if you're ever in DC for biggest party day. outside of PA yeah yeah it, it might very well be <laughs> um but like that's to me that's like that's play um and then I kind of like force all of my friends to play when we're coming because like number one if you're gonna agree to come to a Groundhog Day party like you're kind of a weirdo. Um, but also, like, I have deliberate... Are, are you a weirdo or are you just in touch with that inner child who loves to play and is I saying mean, yes to everything? A little column A, a little column B. Maybe they're the same thing. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's um, that's something that I really love. And I, because I'm a preschool teacher and I know how to, like, structure activities, I will have, like, an art table for people who want to like paint their own wooden groundhogs and we have um trivia i've uh i think i might i have like 30 now groundhog day <laughs> trivia questions and they're not they're not all about the movie oh they're not they're not about the movie um fun fact about me is i refuse to watch the movie because <laughs> i'm an orthodox groundhog day celebrator <laughs> Um, yeah so the movie is not involved um so it's yeah 30 trivia questions about either the holiday or the animal um or anything adjacent to that we there's always um like art activities there's 
word searches. There are, um, what else did I have this year? I had like a never have I ever game that I made about ground. It's just about like, Groundhog Day. Oh, about Groundhog Day. Yeah. Um, it just gets weirder every year, but my friends keep coming back and like, <laughs> basically if you come to this party, I'm like, you're gonna play, like find, find your people. Like, are you an art play? Are you uh, like, oh, I have, um, Groundhog Day puppets and like sometimes, People are the, like, I want to dance around with this puppet, and that's how they play. Um, one year, my friends, like, coded my house in googly eyes. Um, it's just, you know, it is what it is. It's it's fun. Um, and it builds community. And there's definitely people who are like, oh, hey, I met you last year at Groundhog Day. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just a fun little way to play. And it, like, fills my heart with so much joy. Um, I plan this party for months and like planning it even. I'm just, it's like such a thrill to me. Well, and I think you do a really good job planning parties, not just the Groundhog Day one, but. Yeah, yeah. Again, um, being a teacher has a lot of really weird payoffs. But but those can be quite a lot of fun. Yeah, yes, they can, um, yes. Yeah, so I, Rachel, one of our favorite games here is the, on the, on Peak Pyrography is a deserted island. Oh yeah, yeah. I was listening to that this morning and trying to think about my answers. So, so I'm it, I'm not going to ask you quite the same deserted great. island question because <laughs> it's not quite as applicable. But um, so if if you were left on a deserted island yes. and you were left with one coloring utensil, okay. what what would that be? One one activity station or style of movement. Uh, one craft and then one other unexpected item for play what would they be, what would those be so we can go through them one at a time okay okay so right. a coloring utensil of some sort that probably paint because there's a lot you can do with it like if if it's something like watercolor paint or like multiple colors of paint like there's a lot you can do with it um you can you know, explore one color, dip, making different marks and movements and all, all of these things. Um, or you can start mixing colors and you can play with, like, I'm sure there's art terms for this, but, like, <laughs> the, the the thickness of the paint yeah. and the thinness the, of the paint. The viscosity of <laughs> there it. There you go, yeah. Yeah, you can play with that. You can do – there's a lot that you can do with paint. Um, and it's also really sensory. That's, like, really bodily, too. And I mean, you can even, like, if it was finger paint yeah. or – yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you watch how like babies explore things like pain and it is a full body experience. It is a like gets into their intestines and you see it later in their diaper kind of experience. <laughs> um, but like that's play and that's that's great. Yeah. OK, so so you would have paint and then what's your activity or movement station? So one of the things that I, I'm really an advocate for, and I know a lot about this because my grad school was really involved in it, is um, wooden blocks. So if you think about like typical preschool classrooms, you're going to likely think about these just like neutral wooden blocks that are in various shapes. Yeah. Um, Sometimes you got the arches or the squares yeah, exactly. or the yeah. cylinders. Yeah, exactly. And um, those blocks actually were created by someone who was one of the founders for my grad school and so um a lot of my education kind of would come back to blocks and how rich they are not only in like hitting academic goals because the block the blocks are actually all proportional to each other so you know kids might think they're, they're building a castle but they're also learning ratios and proportions and like 
um, you know, basic math skills and science skills. Um, but they're also so open-ended and really invite a lot of creativity. And I had multiple classes in grad school where there was a day where we would go into a classroom and we would build with blocks as adults. And like, it is so thrilling as adults to build with blocks and to like start something that's so just generic and create something. Um, I love this. If someone's feeling stuck right now, this go play with paint or go build something out of blocks and don't worry about if it's, if it's perfect or if it's right, or if it's uh, done exactly the right way, because you know, what's going to happen. The big scary monster tornado three-year-old's going to come through and knock it down. (laughs) Yeah. And that's actually what I was just going to say is like, knock it down. Like, like destroy your work it feels really <laughs> therapeutic um and it's it's fun it's like dramatic it's it's fun i highly recommend if you have children at home or at school and they will let you like crush their tower crush <laughs> your own tower <laughs> I do. yeah it, it feels good and it's so good I, we we love to play with magnet tiles yes and you make something and then someone comes through and smashes it out of your hand and they laugh and you laugh yeah. and yeah. 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 It's delicate. Cause that, that sometimes play for one person and not play for the other person. And then you kind of got to But if it's your own work and you're, yeah. I mean, give yourself that opportunity yeah. to, yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be perfect. And maybe it's even a design that you haven't liked. Mm-hmm. And instead of sanding that off, maybe you're going to, just keep burning on the design and burn over it and yeah 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 see yeah. what comes of that right it's such a metaphor for any any sort of creative art form or creative life form yeah yeah, yeah. okay so back to our desert island yes yes a craft yeah let's see like i said i'm not super like big on the looking like the product oriented crafts for young children but something that can like that you can kind of build with and manipulate. So I'm thinking something like clay and popsicle sticks or something that you like a multimedia thing that you can kind of construct and use to represent like lots of different things. Um, And then again, you can smash it and start over again, but something that you can interact with fully. Yeah. And then, okay. So one other unexpected item for play that you're going to have with you on this deserted Island that's a good question. Um, I or, mean, or maybe it's something unexpected for me and for yeah, listeners yeah, that you're like, obviously yeah. this is the thing. Um, I mean, if I was on a deserted island with all of these things, I would also want a three-year-old with me. Because <laughs> um, if I was on a deserted island, like I would kind of be panicking. And then the three-year-old would be like, wait, there's blocks over here. Like, Let's stop panicking and go play. <laughs> um but something like I, I love having just notebooks and I, I have notebooks or some sort of like documentation tool throughout my classroom um, just to kind of capture things as they come. Because especially with young children, like you never really know when play is going to come up or how it's going to come up. So um, capturing those, whether it's like someone's telling a story, you know, they're not writing it down because they they can't do that yet but they're telling a story through their play and then like I want to try to capture that so I'll start writing it down or um you know writing down blurbs of conversation or you know being like oh so and so I know like so and so is having some challenges at home with like they're moving or you know parents are 
having some struggles at home and like here they are playing with dolls and having you know kind of reenacting that so kind of jotting that down and like capturing that too um I guess like an adult form of that is kind of journaling sure yeah Um, but you know you can use it as many different ways and then it's really nice to come back to that and kind of like revisit and um refine some ideas too yeah that that's fun and journaling really it it can it can fill a lot of those needs especially if it's not a movement-based play that you're feeling like you're needing at the time exactly yeah yeah um yeah, so we also like to talk about some uh, shout-outs and some community-building stuff here. So, and especially you're going to have some different answers than we uh, yes. we typically have. Um, who are three accounts that we should be following to maybe get some inspiration from or to uh, learn from? Or Yeah, so um, I think the first one that I would shout-out is my circus studio because they have done so much for me. Um, in terms of helping support my play. So, so what's their... They're called Monarca in Flight. So you'll find Monarca, M-O-N-A-R-C-A, in Flight is their handle. Um, and that's on Instagram. And that's on Instagram. Their logo is a big butterfly. So you'll see that. Um, they don't post a whole lot, but when they do, it's like really cool circus content. Um, and who doesn't love watching people like dangle from fabric? Um, <laughs> another like resource that I really go to is um, a book that came out a few years ago called Illuminating Care. Um, And they're also on Instagram. Um, And with the same name. Yeah. Illuminating Care is the handle. Um, And the author talks a lot about how care is really education um, and that there's so much more to like education than like what we think of as like learning letters and numbers and like those kind of academic measurable tasks of things like care, community, connection, play, um, therapy, healing, like those things are so important and so embedded in any education. She talks primarily about early childhood, but you know, you can expand that into teenagers, young children, adults, like anyone. Finding, finding your play, Mm -hmm. finding your, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there is a school that I really love out in um, Atlanta called the Highlander School. Um, it's Their handle is the Highlander School ATL. Um, and they are a preschool and early childhood program um, that's rooted in like black and indigenous um, theories and liberation. And they do a whole lot of like really, really cool curriculum that really integrates play with um community building in in the broader community like they've done projects on like food security for their greater community and they did a really cool project um looking at uh the indigenous and an indigenous community um and uh making sure that they had like their sacred lands were respected by the government like some really really cool ways of using play to kind of transcend a lot of other um like what we see as school and a lot of ideas about um what academics should look like and this you know all is done like it's really child directed and play focused it's really really cool stuff that that that's awesome thank you for Thanks for sharing those ones. Um, and then what's one aspect of play that you would encourage everyone who's listening to this to partake in? Yeah, I think to find your own play. Um, like, recognize <laughs> that, 
you know, your style of play might not be the same as your best friends or your partners or your children's, but like find what feels like play for you. Um, and you'll know it when you find it and then like just honor that and remember that and see if you can try to make space for it in your life. Awesome. Yeah. And, and, and they are so different from person to person. So it's listening to what feels really good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, what Rachel, what do you have coming up? What's kind of on the horizon for you or are there any journeys we can follow you on? We'll follow you on Instagram for sure at Rachel B jam. Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm teaching and, um, right now that is my career, but I'm thinking about expanding more into training and consulting. Um, there is a page they're only on Facebook, unfortunately. It's um, Powerful Interactions is the Facebook page, um, and I've done some writing for that. Um, but, yeah, I guess follow me on Instagram and, like, check in with me and encourage me to, to keep finding my own play um, through the difficult years that it has been to be a teacher right now. It, it absolutely has been. Yes. It's been – the last couple of years have been very draining. Yeah, it's been – it's a hard – Hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to all teachers out there. We're not okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to all the teachers because without you, I, mm -hmm. the world would not be the same. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Well, Rachel, thanks so much for coming on today. This has been so this fun to have you. So fun. <laughs> um, and again, you guys can find Rachel on Instagram at Rachel B. Jam and let her know what you thought of today and um, what, what ways you are learning how or figuring out how to play yes. let me know all right that was so much fun having rachel here live in studio to talk to her about her expertise and to learn a little bit more about how she sees play and connection and creativity and how they all come together what are you doing to find play and connection let me know at peak underscore pyro and let Rachel know by reaching out to her at Rachel B. Jam. We hope you love today's episode and can't wait for you to hear the next one. Peak Pyrography is produced by Fetty Studios and Justine Fetty. Our producer and sound engineer is Kevin Fetty. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like and subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. You can share your comments on today's episode or suggestions for the future on Instagram at peak underscore pyro or via email at peakpyrography at gmail.com. That's P-E-A-K-P-Y-R-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y at gmail.com. Until next time, keep creating. I can't wait to see what you make next.